Welcome to Butterflies and Bravery. <laughs> I'm Jemima, and I'm here with my co-host, Whisper. Hello. And this will be our third podcast of the year. January was a little a little lacky, but we're back on the tracky. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we're still rhyming, are we? <laughs> <laughs> That just pours out naturally. Like my pores. Backing on the tracky. All right. It just happened. So this will be our third podcast. Third podcast. This will be our third podcast. Our first. No. Yes. Our first podcast of February. (laughs) I just have to say it in a radio voice because then I'll be less challenged with my words. (laughs) Really? Does that help? Apparently, (laughs) (laughs) because that came out very smoothly. (laughs) I was thinking about this the other day, yesterday and today, actually. And I know that I'm not the only one who feels like this. I know that a lot of ex born and cult kids have this feeling like where you feel like you lost so much of your life, right? Like you lost so much of your time. Yeah. That. It's almost not necessarily pressure to, to do something, but there's like all the, always this kind of like this overhanging of what have I missed? What didn't I not take advantage of? I don't know. There, it, it, obviously, it's it, there's some shame <laughs> wrapped up in there. My daughter, her company closed down that, where she was working. They're just shutting the, all the stores down in the area where we are. I was helping her apply for unemployment because of everything that happened with COVID. Anyways, we couldn't file online. We had to call in in person and talk mm-hmm. to somebody and get them to reopen the case. So this woman, she's a wonderful soul, patient. And I can't imagine what she must have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. She was being very patient and asking us all the questions. And one of the things she asked was if Luca was a veteran. And at first I was like, huh? When she first asked that, my first reaction was like, what? She's a fucking kid. And then I realized, wait a second. She absolutely could be a veteran. And that's fucked with my, not fucked with my head, but it just hit me. She could have gone and signed up at 18, which is legal age here in the States. And whatever it is, six months basic training and they can send you off and it's a three-year stint, right? Whatever it is, if you want to get out right away and not renew your contract. And I was like, yeah, but she's a thousand percent within that age range now where she could be a veteran. <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> what? Where do you get the, where did you get the new cat from? <laughs> there's two. They're Kalos cats. Oh, M- Michaela's cats? Yeah, there's two. They're exactly the same. They're two little black, pitch oh, black. Oh my God. Brothers, I, two I little brothers. She them, like behind a dumpster or something. Just recently? No, in Salem. And brought them with her when she moved over. Wait, she found two black cats in Salem? Please tell me she named them like the most amazing fucking like you're not gonna (laughs) believe child. (laughs) No, far more. Oh, oh, even better. What's their name? Yes, one of them's name is Satanial. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking amazing. Okay, but oh, that's too bad. So let's add a Neil to the end. (laughs) Satanial. 
So we call him Sadie. Perfect. And then the other one's name is, we call him Azzy. Okay. His name is, oh my God, I can't remember it. It, It's the God of Lust or or something. Wait, aren't we supposed to know all this because of all this stupid fucking... It's as a, as Asmodeus, I believe, is. I'm gonna check Asmodeus, like as in Mozart. Um, Asmodeus, <laughs> just like that, but with an Sorry. S. Sorry. Yes, Asmodeus is a prince Sorry. of demons and hell. Nice. Oh. nice. He's the king of demons, and <laughs> represents lust. <laughs> Do you remember that period of my life where I was taking in all those homeless kids? I've taken in five kids plus my own kids. And with these kids came animals. At one point we had all kinds of animals and it was at the height of Supernatural. And the kids were watching that show and everyone was literally obsessed. And so we started naming all the animals Supernatural names like Sam and Dean and Winchester and uh, Holly and... (laughs) Charlie <laughs> and yeah, of course Castiel. So yeah, those names are epic enough, right? For two black cats found absolutely, in Salem, absolutely fucking epic. <laughs> two black cats found in Salem, Satanial and Asmodeus. <laughs> That's amazing. It's actually funny that we that we get to name our animals these ridiculous names because we can't name people. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> like okay. We- your name will be we're like we have to be surrounded by difficult names (laughs) (laughs) now that we're missing all of our kinezers and whatnot (laughs) methuselahs yeah and japiths oh Oh, i hate that name japeth it's probably because you hated uncle japeth (laughs) No, no, actually, he wasn't that bad. He was he a was, nice person. He was yeah, one I mean, of the nicer people. Okay. He was quote unquote nice. He literally was walking around on a leash. The only thing that he was missing was the collar and chain. Because I'm pretty sure he would ask his wife if he had to take a shit before he could. That's the, his personality. <laughs> oh I apologize to anyone who knows and loves Uncle Chase. <laughs> he had kindness. He really did. He had kindness, but that's who he, people were in the cult, right? Either they just didn't have the backbone or they were so madly in love with whoever they were with. There was like a, I don't want to say a weakness, but there was a, a sort of a bottom, like a sort of a s- submissive <laughs> personality. That a I'm the bottom bitch. And they obviously they tended to be the nice people. They tended to be the somewhat kind ones. They would go along with what they were told to do, but they wouldn't come after you. But then when you had the doms out there running around with their fucking like whips and chains, yeah. I'm making BDSM sound really bad because it was so much worse. (laughs) Great. <laughs> it's fun when you're going into it willingly. <laughs> That's a whole different situation. That's a whole, 
Yeah, absolutely. That's when you when it's actually yeah, but well, yeah, yeah. that's a whole nother story. That's, that's we're super happy to have that conversation one of these days. With yes, us. we should. I think it's something that should be explored. We threatened at one point, didn't we? We threatened. Yes, and that was about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And we told a couple stories, but not. <laughs> but yeah, we we got we barely touched the surface. <laughs> Come down to it. We forgot what we were talking about before, like the black cat. But it was about the unemployment and the veteran. I was saying sometimes it feels a little bit oppressive, our life's timeline, because we lost so much, especially like you and I were both stuck in the cult for so long. We were mid to late 20s when we were finally able to escape or yes. get out or get kicked out or whichever way we exit my freedom um, <laughs> we're heading into our half a century yes quite there <laughs> and it's, it's easy to feel like shit i'm really old and it, what was that that mean someone put up every time i see how old i am i get shocked <laughs> <laughs> Like sometimes I'm like, wait, I'm what? I'm that old? Like I don't feel it. But then other times I sit there and I think I'm all the things that we didn't really get to do, especially our situation in particular. By the time we left, we were parents. There was no clubbing. There was no crazy. There, there wasn't that sort of atmosphere in our lives for a while. And it's easy to feel a little bit like I've lost so much time. But when I was talking to Luca about that, how dare they ask her if she could possibly be a veteran? <laughs> She's still my baby. What? But then I was like, wait a second, because she was about a year and a bit when we finally landed here in the States. And so essentially how old she is, is how long I've been free. So really only about 21, 22 years that I've been free. Which is crazy because you know, at 50, unless something goes really sideways, generally expectation is you got another 20 years of f- fulfilling and full life. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. I was in a time warp basically. Cause I was like, wait a second. I still have t- at least 20 years, good years. And that's as long as I've been out. It just gone on me. I still got so much more ahead of me. It's easy to feel like we don't. Yeah. <laughs> because or, we, we are going to die. Yes. Literally, there's a song. What are you going to do when you get to be 25? Do you think that you'll be happy or if you'll even be alive? Yep. And we did not think we were going to be alive. Jesus was coming back. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. You probably can't put this on. You probably can't put this on the podcast. But I was like, somebody was, <laughs> I saw this joke on TikTok. <laughs> I actually like just died laughing. Why do orgies take so long in heaven? (laughs) Don't know. Because Jesus keeps pretending he's coming and he doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Why can't we put it on the podcast? Why do orgies take so Why? long in heaven? Yes, because Jesus keeps pretending he's coming back. He's coming. Sorry, not coming back, but he keeps pretending he's coming. Jesus um, keeps pretending that he's coming. Oh, my. 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember being very convinced as a small child that I was not going to even live to be a teenager. We were always going to die. I remember not thinking I was going to get very far because I was like 13 when the fucking Heaven's Girl shit started coming out. And that was some terrifying. That was terrifying. Yeah, that's a whole like podcast in itself. We should Dude, talk about we should, how we were supposed to be God's superheroes. And it's so weird too. Like when I think back about that time, because we would wait with bated press episode to come out because it was the one tiny little piece of any type of interesting. It had a storyline. It was literally one of the only things that we had to read that had a storyline. When I think about how fucked that was, we were desperate to get this story and find out what the next thing was going to be, which was she was going to be raped. She was going to be tortured. Bang, you know, bang. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that's what we, <laughs> and it actually, I was looking back at some of them and I was mortified. Yeah. That, 12 year olds were reading that because they're talking about her being gang banged. You're going to have to get gang banged by all of these soldiers because it's for Jesus. And I'm sitting there thinking, what if my 12 year old child were reading something like that? Mom, what's gang banging? Obviously we we already knew. Yeah, of course. Of course we knew. Thinking about the fact that we knew what orgies and gang bangs and all of that were when we were like 12 yeah. Oh yeah. No, we're not. No, the family never had any sex at all. No, no. Our perception and our perspective of that was so twisted because we were basically parentified, adultified at 12 years old, 11, 12 years old. There's not a time that I can look back on and think and see my innocence. Do you know what I mean? There was not a time that I can look back on and say, <laughs> that's when there was levity. There was times I didn't have to worry about things. There was times I didn't know the horror (laughs) of the world. And of course, being parents now, our kids get to those ages where we remember some of the shit that we were dealing with. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty horrifying. I remember even, do you remember, I think this stuck out to me because I love to draw and what was going on when they were trying to draw quote unquote heaven's girl. And the artists from the cult weren't getting what Berg had in mind. I remember one of the images that they tried to use for Heaven's Girl. And Berg was like, no, she has too many muscles. She's too big. So she can be Heaven's Girl's guardian angel named Flame. Do you remember Flame? Flame, guardian angel? Yeah. He was having people like Nini and some of the other very young girls pose in all these positions when they were like 11 and 12 opposing for heaven's girl because that was her age that was her body's age he was such a pedophile man <laughs> yeah Fuck. like 12 to 14 that was his that was his ideal fucking that was his ideal woman world's worst incel <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful that my kids live (laughs) in a time and place where they don't have to put up with that kind of bullshit where expecting to die at any moment is just not part of the makeup of their life growing up. I personally, I think that 
the difference is because how horrifically suppressed our trauma was at that age. Because I've had conversations with people before where it's like, like I didn't have that kind of anxiety. I didn't have that. And I'm like, nah, your trauma is so terrible that you actually have to pack it away. It's like that much more unhealthy, right? I love my children to death. And I'm so grateful when they talk to me about the things that they worry about and the things that they have anxiety about, the things that are on their hearts, their minds. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that these are the kind of things. And I never, ever say it or portray it in that way because I don't feel that way. I don't feel like, oh, this is so little. <laughs> this is so minor compared to what I had to deal with. I don't feel yeah. it at all. I'm just eternally grateful that the things that cause them anxiety, the things that cause them concern and worry is like just so far away from the things that we were having to worry about. I mean, one of my kids' fears is <laughs> their siblings are moving on faster than they are or in their mind being more, quote unquote, successful than they are. That's what keeps them awake at night. Whereas for us, what was keeping us awake at night was to make sure that we weren't picked up and raped in the middle of the night. That was literally like we were worried about. And that's some fucking deep suppression that you have to go into to, to live with that. I think we talked about this before that the fact that it didn't have an effect on you, or you say it didn't have an effect on you, that was the effect. That's the effect <laughs> that it had on you yep. is that you shut down enough for it not to have an effect. So yes, it did have an effect on you. It caused you to shut down. That is an effect. Does that make sense? Yeah. To me, that. that was like a huge revelation. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Because I was always like, oh yeah, that doesn't bother me. Oh yeah, no, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> and then I was like, the fact that it doesn't bother me that's the bother in itself. Yeah. And that's where I need to start working yeah. on is some of those things that I think don't bother me. And it's not secluded to just kids born in cults. No. Uh, working with survivors of human trafficking, as is conventionally or commercially considered human trafficking. Even women <laughs> or men that are getting pimped on the street will sit there and say, I'm not a victim of human trafficking right. because it's so hard. It takes so much vulnerability to go to that place where you can say, yeah, I didn't deserve what happened to me and I don't deserve the way that I'm being treated. But there's this perception that it is a weak stance or that it somehow makes you less than or not because there's that whole, like, let's be tough. <laughs> right. If you're tough, that means that you're more healthy. Like, right. you have more emotional health if you are tough. No, that's absolutely not the truth. It just takes you that much longer to get to the place of healing and get to the place of understanding and get to the place of acceptance, of loving yourself, yes. of seeing your, yourself in your humanity. Yeah. Instead of, no, I must be thus and I must be right. so. Yep. So. Sure. Big time. That's a big, huge thing. <laughs> big 
That's a big one. Something that a lot of people don't consider even possibly to be, oh, that's not mental health. That's just being tough. (laughs) No, that's mental health. (laughs) And it's very much affects, affects your mental health too. Yeah. I don't like to get into debates on the internet because it's so pointless. Yeah. But at the same, but sometimes I so want to. And one of the ones that some of the conversations that I want to get into so bad are the ones where people start going like, what's with the whole, everybody just needs to have a participation trophy these days. Back in the day, we put up with this and, you know, my mother or my grandmother put up with this and put up with that. And I feel like, are you not hearing yourself put up with? They put up with it. Like, why are you saying that's okay? That's normal. Yes, let's just all accept that we should just put up with abuse and put up with <laughs> mistreatment and put up with horribleness. Like, why is it so wrong to say, I want a better world for my kids? I want vulnerability. I want kindness. I want compassion. I want empathy. That's the world I want to live in. How is that? How is that going with the bad thing? The whole pull yourself up <laughs> from your bootstraps thing. Yeah, um, the cult of the individual, I would call it. I love this quote I read the other day that said, community is the oldest form of healing. Hmm. And that's so true, right? And that whole every man for himself is one of the not very healthy places to be in. Yeah, very much. That's why you feel you have to arm yourself many guns <laughs> yeah <laughs> because you like you if you can't even fucking trust your neighbor <laughs> like how is that the life like you how's that the place you want to be in anyway i don't want to get into nah. the american laugh america <laughs> let's talk about what's coming up this for this month yeah one of the things that I I don't know if we necessarily have a guest for this yet, <laughs> but February here in the United States is Black History Month, mm. which, I mean, Black History, it, it's every day. It shouldn't just be a month. But, like, Berg was so racist. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's such a judeo-christian stance and it's interesting to me how some of us not just us in the external god ex evangelical christians or some other type of like super pseudo-christian cult place being raised in it's interesting to see some of the racism that still lives in our community and in the communities of, of the people that were around it'd be interesting to have a conversation about that because honestly i can tell you right away berg's issue was with the jews i do know that but i don't know why he was so racist and why he made the, the cult into racist i mean we obviously of course we had amazing and wonderful black people in the cult but by and large there were very few very there were very few that's a great conversation to have just because it's this month, it's been something I've been thinking about. I have someone, an amazing woman who 
I did a couple of projects with in the human trafficking arena and she's a black woman and she's a warrior for her community. And she was a victim of human trafficking and she started a nonprofit and everything like that. We've been talking about having an interview with her to talk about the issues of race and human trafficking because it's a big issue, a big problem. But it's just been on my mind a little bit of that correlation of who's the most vulnerable. That's who gets stomped on. But besides that, let's talk about what else we have on the horizon. We have an interview with Michelle and... I wanted to talk about, there's this organization here in the United States called Polaris. They run the National Human Trafficking Helpline. And they have since 2000. A lot of the statistics that we get in this country on human trafficking comes from them and comes from the information they take from their calls. They just concluded, as far as we know, the largest survey study ever done on survivors in the United States. It was a year-long study, and it was nearly 500 participants, and all of them were survivors of of human trafficking. The whole point of the report was about what are your needs, what were your biggest challenges coming out, and all that kind of stuff. And I've always found it so interesting because even if people want to debate (laughs) whether or not we were trafficked, and whether children that were born into cults were trafficked, which they were by both the U.S. and the United Nations definition of what human trafficking is. We were trafficked <laughs> because it doesn't have to do with location. You can never leave your house and be trafficked like that. It's about coercion and exploitation. It has nothing to do with actual traveling, which is something that people get sometimes mixed up on. But even if you didn't want to say we were victims of human trafficking, there's a parallel <laughs> journey that we have experienced that is very similar to what survivors of human trafficking deal with, which is coming out into the world for the first time and not knowing how to do anything. A lot of times their pimp or their parent or whoever might be, whoever is exploiting them has kept their identity, has taken credit out in their name, has kept their documents, like all that kind of stuff that is very common in the human trafficking world, which happened to us as well, keeping us stuck, keeping us from leaving. And when we finally do escape, having to start from scratch, whether it's no education or no job history, all of those things, it's so similar to what we deal with that it was a fascinating report. And that is one of the things that we want to talk about in our podcast. We'll do a whole episode on human trafficking and the parallels between cult children and coercion, whether or not you were in a cult. And what the study showed the needs were and what the overwhelming statistics showed, which is quite interesting, I think. So Um, that's going to be a really interesting podcast that we've got coming up. I think that's going to be a good one because a lot of those parallels have, I don't think have been drawn enough and it's something that needs to be acknowledged a little bit more, I think. And it's important to ask the questions. Is there something that can be done about it? I'm sure you saw in one of our online communities, we found the news from Australia just added our cult to their redress program, which means 
uh, Australian. <laughs> Australia is fucking standing up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Australia is showing up for for the kids who had no one. Yeah, because their payouts are huge too. Like yeah. fifty thousand dollars or something like that. Not twenty bucks. No, up to a hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. That's life changing money. Yeah. At least for me. Yeah. You can start a business. You could buy a house. Like stuff you can do with that. That makes a difference between being on the streets or being able to supply for your family and support yourself. Yeah. Huge. It is. And it's both encouraging and disheartening too that. I don't know if the United States will ever get there, but it is really encouraging that on the general international stage yeah. and in and in other westernized, really other important countries, they are acknowledging it. Yeah. Even if sure. this country never gets around to it. I'm hoping we can get a little bit more information on that too and just what that is. There's a lot of work that's happening behind the scenes with people that we're working with trying to get new legislation, get new, just starting to make a face for SGAs. One of the people that we work with, Lisa, she's been on our podcast before, amazing woman. And she is, wow, that woman is spitfire. (laughs) I'm like, please, can I just have, just give me one tenth of your energy and then I'll probably be able to start two companies. (laughs) wonderful and it's one of her passions but uh, just being in those conversations and continuing forward and being able to start seeing the things that are happening in the world around us and people are fucking finally starting to acknowledge how horribly we were all failed on every level and not just failed by our parents and not just failed by the countries that we were in but failed by them now yeah. yeah, we have no recourse. I'm not saying they shouldn't have this, but there is s- hundreds of organizations and programs for convicts that are coming out of jail, coming out of prison. They can walk out and I'm not saying it's easy, but there is at least something like like today. We can't as like, sorry, I was born in a cult. I was literally a prisoner of war. There's nothing I can just walk up and say. I need help. There's a program that I can apply for. Even here in the States, there's the Victims Aid Fund and stuff, but it's only a violent crime. Yep. You have to prove that it was a violent crime and you're like, eh, and on American soil. So hmm. I don't know how fast <laughs> like this stuff will start happening, but it's happening. It is happening. We're chipping away. Yes. Chipping <laughs> away at that granite. Chipping away at that granite. Eating that elephant one bite at a time. The other thing that we're super excited about that's going to be happening in the next couple of months is Jemima and I have been working with Dr. Yanya Lalich's amazing organization. And her and her team are starting to do incredible things for born and cult kids. And we're going to be involved in some of the things that are happening there. So we'll have more details once things are more lined up. But we're we are extremely honored and extremely excited. <laughs> yes. I was talking to my therapist the other day and she like started crying because she's known me for 15 years. Mm. And I was talking about just being in the place where I am right now, starting a podcast and now working with Dr. Yanni Lalich and working with the human trafficking organization that I went. I, I don't think I could have ever pictured 
being in a place where I am, am today, where <laughs> I can, I wake up every day and say, I can do something with the pain, with the pain that was dealt to me. I'm turning pain into purpose. I know it sounds a little cliche, but it is, it is when you're able to do that, when you have <laughs> had something as traumatic and as deep as the stuff that the people out in our communities have been through. Yeah. Survivors, man. Fuck. I, survivors are incredible. I hope anybody listening, <laughs> I hope every single one of you, whether or however you see your history, however you see your past, however you see what you've gone through, don't ever minimize <laughs> how incredible it is where you are today. It's so easy for us to feel behind, so easy for us to put that shame. We have these ridiculous expectations of ourselves because we were raised that way. That's in our programming. But when you go and start talking to people and you go and start looking around, you go and start reading some things, you'll start to see the incredible resilience that survivors have. And please, (laughs) if there's one thing you can do for yourself, please give yourself credit for that. Give yourself credit for waking up every single morning, no matter how fucked up it feels. You're sticking around. And that is humongous in so many ways. Yeah. And and I'm only saying this because (laughs) I'm starting to look back on some of the conversations that I was having with myself when I would have those days where I couldn't get out of bed, when I wasn't sure if I was going to live until the next day type of place. I didn't want to hear that because yeah, my therapist would say, whisper, you're still here. That's a huge accomplishment. And I, I could never acknowledge that for myself. I was like, how is that a huge accomplishment? I opened my eyes. Like that's what I did. <laughs> how is this an accomplishment? No matter how you feel in that moment, what you're doing is you're laying a foundation for tomorrow. Because if you are here today, you're laying a foundation for tomorrow. And by taking yourself to tomorrow, (laughs) you give yourself a chance to get to the day after, right? And every single time you do that, every single day, you're giving yourself a chance. You're giving yourself a chance for what is going to come. And I spent so many years feeling like I was just a mess. I was just doing the, just barely keeping alive and sane, trying to take care of my kids. But now I feel like I'm in these places where I can give, I can do stuff. So in this study that we we're talking about with survivors, like one of the things that over and over they said they needed help in is financial. How do you build your credit back up? How do you get out of debt? How do you jump the shark, so to speak, out of poverty? And I was telling my boss, I've been there because my ex took so much debt out in my name that I ended up having to declare bankruptcy. This was years ago, but I can tell you so much about credit and about what affects your credit, what affects your debt. And that's from being in the place where I lived that I lived that torment. And in those moments, in those days when I just moon is back, it was so bad. I was sending my kids to neighbors so that they had something to eat for that day. And didn't happen often, but I've been in that place. And I could have never even imagined in that moment that I would get to a place in my life where now I can turn around. And so, yeah, I'm working on creating a class and program for survivors on debt and financial literacy. And it's like, what? But again, I can look back and say, that's what the accomplishment was. Maybe it didn't feel like anything, but I was showing up, staying alive. (laughs) 
for that day so that I had a tomorrow. And every single time that happens, it gives you a chance. We hear it so much where there's life, there's hope. We hear it so much. It doesn't mean very much, but it, it really does. Yeah. It, it actually means so much. Thank you everyone for joining us. There's lots more to come. We're hanging in there and tomorrow's another day. We appreciate every single one of you. We're grateful that anyone <laughs> listened to us. <laughs> it means a lot. And we always welcome any kind of conversations that you guys want to have. Write us, send us questions or opinions, anything that you want to talk about. Anyone that would like to come on the show and talk to us, we would love that as well. You're always welcome. I don't want to say the door is always open. I'm say the microphone's always on. <laughs> the microphone's always on over here at Butterflies and Bravery. So thank you for listening. And we are honored to be a part of your life, even in a small way. We'll close like we always do. Stay brave. And remember that every butterfly was once a caterpillar.